1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to go from verse 8 to verse 22. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is gonna harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the unrighteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is God's word. Carrie, thank you. Let's pray. Let's pray as we look at this together. Our great God and Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. He is our saviour and without him we are lost. He is, our, he is our example and in looking to him we know how we ought to behave. And so Father, for those of us who are Christians this morning, would we look to him? Would we have confidence that your eyes are upon your people? Would we trust you and therefore live with confidence Live with gentleness and grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the email comes through at some point this week from your boss. Uh, tomorrow at five, uh, we'll all gather here to, uh, to celebrate Trans Visibility Day. And you think, oh, what do I do? Or uh, uh, tomorrow, lunchtime, uh, everyone, we want the whole office to gather to uh, have a, a lunch in celebration of Pride Month. And what are you going to do? Well, I imagine people have various or varying opinions. Some would think, well, look, it's a work thing. It's a work social. Most people don't care why we're getting together. We're just getting together. And uh, people enjoy having a drink together, and that's all it is. Some may well think that. Um, Others as Christians might think, you know, I, you know, I just can't do that. I can't go to that. I 
think I'm celebrating uh, stuff that goes against my beliefs. I'm not going to do that. And as long as you sort of graciously explain yourself, I mean, that's okay. You're, you're legally protected. There's no one Christian response here, but I think you have to know what your response will be if you're a Christian. You have to know that. And um, as we come to our last in this little block, and we turn to 1 Peter 3, I think we'll be encouraged. Don't, as Christians, we're not to be a society of the fearful. (laughs) Even as culture goes in directions that may be very different to the Bible, we're not to be a society of the fearful, but a community of those who are forgiven and forgiving. Don't be afraid. Don't live fearful lives, Peter would say to us. Now, we have spent the last month then um, uh, thinking topically about the issues of sexuality and identity. Uh, We looked at first week, what is your authority? Secondly, what is the purpose of marriage? Last week, what what defines you? Uh, This week, broadly, how do we respond as Christians? So this is not our normal habit of working our way through books of the Bible and expanding them text by text, but uh, we're just thinking topically. So I won't go through every detail or verse of 1 Peter 3 this morning, but how do we respond How do Christians respond in the current culture? Well, the first thing I think I want to say is there isn't a current culture. So on these issues of sexuality and gender, the broader culture is split, confused. I think there's both uh, fear and bewilderment in the wider culture, as well as perhaps hostility to some things that Christians hold. But there's both there. I mean, did you see last Sunday afternoon, we have it, uh, last Sunday afternoon, uh, so uh, a group gathered in Manchester at the Emmeline Pankhurst statue in the centre, a group was called Standing for Women. They wanted to say, look, we're with Emmeline Pankhurst, we feel that as women we're being eroded, um, women's rights are being taken backwards by a, a sort of hyper-political trans movement, uh, and, but they were met with these. But if you can see them, there's a whole number of um, Trans activists, they were all men, dressed in uh, black balaclavas, masks, surrounded the statue of Emmeline Pankhurst. I mean, pretty intimidating, actually, and uh, uh, assaulted one of the women uh, who was there to uh, speak. And as, the, uh, as ever, the, you probably can't read it, but the uh, constantly brave J.K. Rowling, with a little bit of sarcasm, said, huh. I never expected the right side of history to include so many people in masks intimidating and assaulting women. Did you? That's the right side of history to be on, is it? You dress up like that and you assault women publicly. So there's and lots of people, oh, I'm a bit nervous uh, about what's going on. Uh, a bit bit nervous about what I'm allowed to say and not allowed to say. That's just in culture generally, there's that anxiety there. But there is also, I think, sometimes cultural outrage at what Christians hold, uh, what the Bible would teach. So here's one man I've been impressed with in the last uh, year or so. He's Finnish, Dr. Johanna Poyola. Um, I may have got that pronunciation a little wrong, but uh, he's a bishop in Finland who has been charged with the Finnish government of incitement uh, to hatred against LGBT plus people because of a, a book he published. It was years ago, actually. It was published in 2004, but uh, all of a sudden someone said, oh, look at this, published years ago. It's outrageous. And um, 
basically just teaches what the Bible teaches without rancor, without anger, just politely. This was 2004, he published it, right? Before these issues were uh, right at the top of everyone's agenda. But he's been um, being prosecuted at the moment. He's certainly been charged by the government. Um, he'll probably be okay in the sense opinion polls in Finland think this is madness. Leave the bloke alone. Um, lots of us agree with him and his anxieties. But no one wants to be charged by the government. His main lament is that the national church in Finland has said nothing and left, left him hung out to dry. He just thinks that's pathetic. But I was struck reading one interview with him. He wrote, said this. Terrific. Do not be afraid. Christ is risen. He's the Lord. He's in charge. We're called to be his witnesses in love and truth. Be prepared to pay a cost for discipleship. Teach your children well. Use your freedom of speech and religion. Watch out for self-censorship and adapting yourself to lies in small things. That's helpful. I mean, brave, but helpful, isn't it? Do, 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 do recognise the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion that we have in Finland, similar to the UK. Don't self-censor. Don't do that. Don't just adapt to the culture. Don't be squeezed into the mold of the world when you don't have to be. But it's tempting. He knows. Don't be afraid. How are we going to respond in a culture which is both bewildered and at times hostile to Christian truth? Don't be afraid. But these three things from 1 Peter 3. Love your fellow believers. Bless those who insult you and suffer like Jesus for doing good. Okay, those three. Love your fellow believers, bless those who insult you, suffer like Jesus for doing good. First then, love your fellow believers. In the flow of the book, uh, Peter's been talking about how Christians should live. He's been doing that all certainly very clearly since chapter two, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles or aliens and strangers to, uh, to live in a certain way. So he comes in chapter three, verse eight. Okay, uh, church, family, Christians, Verse eight, finally all of you be, a number of things, like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and be humble. Like-minded, not agree on everything. Well, I vote Green, she votes Tory. How on earth can we ever agree? Um, not that, if you hear on when Thursday night when we interviewed Sergei, who runs the... Um, Slavic-speaking speaking fellowship of Ukrainians and Lithuanians and Moldovans and Russians. Uh, how do you do politics? We just don't talk about it. We just talk about Jesus because he unites us. And politics, we all go crazy at one another, so we just don't talk about that. Jesus is more important than politics. We know that. Okay, that's what Paul is talking about. Be like-minded in that sense. Jesus first, everything else seconds. Second. But then there's other four in, in verse eight. Care for one another. Sympathy, love, compassion, humble. Take time to understand one another. What we're thinking about this month. Take time to understand the cost that some pay in this arena. It's helpful, the last prayer meeting, at the beginning of the month if you were here, 
Phoebe and Lucy standing up and talking about their experience of, oh, you know, being asked as school teachers to teach things they didn't agree with and how they responded sensibly, wisely. Um, but understand one another. Understand what it means for those who are like Andrew, we saw on the screen, same-sex attracted, suffer gender dysphoria, those raised by same-sex parents. Because you may not know, but someone in any, all of those categories here at church, across the morning and the evening. What's it like for you? It was interesting, was it Andrew's testimony, if you hear where that played? Oh, my best friend said, I don't, know, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to help you, but I'm going to find out. That's what Paul is asking for. I think these things in chapter three, verse eight, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. They've got to be practical too. I think it means if the unlikely case that Johanna Poyala is charged, loses his job because of being charged by the government, then people rally around him, look after his family, house him. I think it means if anyone here lost their hands at a crazy overzealous boss, HR department, who went for them, well, we'd rally financially to help. Unlikely to happen. Mostly legislation is sensible and wise, but it's got to have some practical teeth to it. Love your fellow believers. That's the first thing. Secondly, how do we respond? Bless those who insult you. Verses nine to 12. Bless those to insult you. Verse nine, do not repay evil to, with evil or insult with insults. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called. This is what Christians are called to do, to be like Jesus, who could say as he died on the cross, Father, forgive them, they know not what they're doing. That sort of approach and sometimes in the sort of cultural chaos, we do need to remember people don't know what they're doing. People are very confused about which way is up. Even, I don't know how you describe it, uh, the most progressive of lobbies don't know quite who to support. So um, we've got them for me, just three little headlines recently. Um, uh, so on the, on the right, there you have um, Alison Bailey. She's an openly well-known lesbian barrister. She's suing Stonewall because Stonewall pressured her barrister's chambers into investigating her for her gender-critical views. So who do, you, who do you support if you're sort of super progressive? I mean, surely you don't want to denounce the black lesbian, do you? Or who do you, oh, oh, it's tricky. Who's right, who's, oh. Culture doesn't know who to support. Uh, Stonewall has lost a number of its uh, founding members uh, because, and they've gone to form a new thing, the LGB Alliance, because of, again, we, we can't be ourselves now. You've, you no longer represent us, Stonewall. Or the bottom in the middle there, the Lesbian Rights Alliance is claiming that Stonewall is negating lesbians because they now, Stonewall, recognise male-bodied people with penises can be lesbians. I don't mean to be overly graphic in the language. Or it's just chaos, isn't it? Isn't that chaos? Absolute chaos. 
the, the, the wider culture. I mean, be patient, don't get angry, don't respond all the time with anger because they, they don't know what they're doing. They're absolutely bewildered by what's taking place. Look, I only give that list to, to illustrate the confusion currently in our world. But Christians, we're told, we're to repay any insult with blessing, confident of God's word. And so verses 10 to 12, it's a, it's a long quote from Psalm 34. But at the time, Paul is living amongst the pagan Philistines. They want to kill him. And this is his response. What are believers to do, verse 10? Well, whoever would love life and see good days is meant to do this. Keep their tongues from evil, their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil, do good. They must seek peace, pursue it. Why? Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. It's what God wants. In the chaos and confusion of a culture, which may be hostile, may be angry with Christian beliefs, to respond with kindness, to respond with Blessing. You can only do it if you know, verse 12, that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. You have to know that. God sees. But if you do know that, let's not be a society of fearful people, but a community of those who are forgiven and can forgive. That's what you're called to, says Peter. Love your fellow believers. Secondly, bless those who insult you. Third, last thing, how do we respond in a culture? Suffer like Jesus for doing good. Verse 13, what we've got here is really an attitude and an action. Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, most of the time you don't get harmed if you're eager to do good, but you might. And what do you do if you are vilified, criticised for politely doing good? Well, it seems to me there's an attitude and an action to take. The attitude is this. Even, verse 14, even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Or as the footnote would put it, do not fear what they fear. So there's the attitude. Don't fear. Don't fear. And you know as well as I do, so much of the current political discourse is driven by fear. Oh, best not say that. So many companies have progressive policies, not because they want to take a moral stand, but they're just, you know, how will this play with our customers? Who do we, do we support Stonewall or, or the LGB Alliance? I mean, which, which, which is gonna make us more money? Um, fear of losing customers. Fear of reputational damage. So much of the dialogue, the discourse, is driven by that. I think when it comes to Christianity, the number of people who really insult Christians on this issue is pretty small. But they're vocal. They use aggressive language. And so it's quite easy to be cowed by someone shouting loudly. But Peter would say, don't fear their threats or don't fear what they fear. Don't fear what the world fears, which is what? Lost income, public contempt. Don't fear those things, but revere. Don't fear, revere. Verse 15, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. His opinion matters more because of who he is. And it lasts. 
So to put it in blunt terms, I, um, you may or may not wonder, but I do, I do care very much what people in this room think of me. However, there's variety. If you'll forgive me for saying so, if you've just walked in today and I've never met you before, I don't really mind too, too much. I mean, it'd be nice if you're nice to me rather than assault me afterwards, but you know, I've never met you. And um, people I've known for years, I care much more what they think about me. People whose lives we've shared for 20 years, I care very deeply. I mean, I hope you're none of you offended when I tell you I care more about my wife's opinion than anyone else in this room because, well, she has to live with me. Um, and, um, you know, because I cherish her and I cherish her views. And she knows me and she sees. And she can make my life quite uncomfortable um, if, uh, if it all goes terribly wrong. But of course, of course that's true. There's variety. Jesus' opinion, that lasts into eternity. He cares for you and knows you more deeply than anyone else. He can reward in eternity too. Care about his view. Don't fear what the world fears. Revere, fear him. And it lasts. It's very obvious, isn't it, that today's heroes are tomorrow's villains. I mean, it can happen quite quickly now, can't it? Uh, fated celebrities, media moguls, all of a sudden the villains, the sort of Harvey Weinsteins, Kevin Spaceys, Will Smiths, I don't know, go from being fated and to loathed. Statues, oh, statues of the great and the good across London, they're now the wicked and the vilified. Let's get, them, get rid of them all. The opinions of our culture, they, they ebb and flow. Chasing the approval of this world is a short-term fix, and it really works. We know that. Chasing the approval of this world is just a short-term thing. It never works. The opinion of Jesus lasts into eternity. That's the attitude. Don't fear, revere. And then the action, or well, the action is also there in verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The hope you have, someone says, you think differently. Why? And in this context of gender and sexuality, what are you to say at that point? Respond, says Peter, with gentleness and respect. Literally, the word respect is fear, revere. It's the same word. Um, so I think in this context, it probably means respond with gentleness to the person and do so with fear or reverence of the Lord, as he's just said. And you've got to hold those two together. When someone, even if they're aggressively, what do you think about? What do you think about transgender issues? What do you think? You know, you bigoted Christian, what do you think about it? With gentleness, but reverence for the Lord. Both, both of those. That's the way to do it, according to Peter. A bit like Jesus, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for all the righteous, for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. We're not going to work our way through this section. You can go on the website and find a sermon on 1 Peter if you desire. But, but the, the point of really verses 17 to 22 is a simple one. Vindication comes. You see at verse 22, 
Jesus suffered, verse 18, but verse 22, he's gone into heaven, he's sat at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers and submissions to him. The point there is vindication comes. If you're a Christian, you may suffer for standing up for the truth, but vindication comes. That's his point. So in two practical, let me just finish with two practical comments. First, in the church, in the Church of England, uh, well, it's a pickle, the Church of England. Uh, so at the moment, the Living in Love and Faith project is an attempt to change the church's position on marriage, because uh, currently same-sex marriage is illegal. It's an attempt to make transgender baptisms, uh, so people can be baptized uh, when they change gender. In the, it, there's all sorts of chaos going on, suggested in this. Now look, the Church of England is a completely mixed bag. There's lots which is good and some which is appalling. There's, it's a really mixed bag, the Church of England. In our diocese, in London, our area, the senior staff are great. They're easy to respect and easy to work with. But in this area, London diocese, I've been called a theological Nazi, a bigot. Uh, I've been hissed and booed when I've entered a room. Now, all those things are true, okay? It's a really mixed bag uh, here in London. But what are we going to do? Because as we've thought in previous weeks, salvation is at stake on these issues. Perhaps particularly 1 Corinthians 6 we looked at. Don't be deceived. You cannot carry on in unrepentant sexual behavior and expect to go to heaven. You can't. So were the Church of England to formally change its doctrine or liturgy, we'd have to distance ourselves in some ways along with hundreds of other churches who do the same across the land. We'd have to do that. We need to be prepared to graciously keep on standing on truth and trust in Jesus' verdict. Got to do that. That's in the church. But in the wider society, when it's in chaos really about issues of gendered, sexuality, identity, what do we do? I mean, the world is this mixed, isn't it? Absolute confusion. Who do we support? And at times, anger directed at Christians. What do we do? Well, respond with gentleness. Explain the hope you have with gentleness and reverence for the Lord. One of the best examples I've ever seen of this uh, was a few years ago. Uh, we interviewed him here at, uh, at church. Simon Ward, uh, he was... Um, uh, in the fashion industry, he ran London Fashion Week for years and years, uh, Simon. Uh, he's a terrific man, uh, op- you know, full-on Christian, uh, but also you know, the sort of man who somehow in his late 50s could get away with skin-tight leather trousers and, you know, uh, just because he could, because he's sort of uh, that sort of character. But uh, um, I remember asking him here, so Simon, you're, you're prominently a Christian, in the fashion industry, you're the face of London Fashion Week. I mean, it is obviously an industry which has a disproportionate number of flamboyantly uh, gay characters. And do they ever come at you? Do they ever ask you? What, what? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time I'm asked, what do you make of me as a Christian? And what do you say, Simon? Three things. I always say the same three things. One, yes, I'm a Christian. As a Christian, I believe that every single man and woman on this planet is made in God's image and he loves you more than you could possibly realize. He adores you. 
Secondly, I follow Jesus. He's God come to earth. And when he was here on earth, he said marriage is for between a man and a woman. And I know you don't like that, but if you got to know what he's like, you would love him. I'm following him. Thirdly, if you say to me, that's terrible, you cannot represent this industry. Well, maybe I have to live with that and maybe I have to resign. And I do that because I love you and I don't want to cause you distress. And I guess if I was forced to lose the job that I love because of the views I hold, well, I guess that I'm just a litty witty tiny bit like Jesus who lost his life as an act of love because he told people they needed to trust him. His views were unpopular then and he died, but he did so to save you for heaven. And I guess if I, in telling you about Jesus, lost my job, I'm just an incy wincy bit like him. And that's okay. I'll live with that. And I thought, wow, what, a, what an extraordinary answer to give. And how's that gone down, Simon? Well, varied, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> varied. Some people, huh, okay, let me think about that. Others, but no one's told me I had to resign yet, so I'll carry on doing the job. He's in a different role now. But he was prepared to give an answer for the hope he had with gentleness. I love you guys. With reverence for Christ, I follow him. And prepared to trust Jesus for the vindication that came. So I think he... Finnish Bishop, Dr. Johanna, they're our role models. As a church, you don't respond to cultural shifts with fear. Don't be afraid. We respond as a community of those who know they're forgiven, can forgive, can bless those who persecute, can do that, knowing that vindication comes, knowing that that's what we've been called to do, knowing that Jesus was willing to suffer death for people who opposed him in order to save them. That's how we respond. Let's pray together. Great God and Father, we've thought over the last few weeks and once again today of sensitive issues Painful issues for some. Father, forgive me if anything I've said has been clumsy, uh, uh, without due care. But Father, would we be those who can give a reason for the hope we have in Jesus with great gentleness, kindness, love for people, while maintaining our reverence for Jesus, honouring him above all else. Father, help us to do that. In the chaos of our culture, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.